Welcome to Churches Planting Churches, a podcast on the theology and practice of church planting. I'm your host, Tony Morita. Acts 29 Australia and New Zealand began with a focus on laying a strong foundation in their church plants so that they would one day mature into church planting churches. By God's grace, they're seeing new churches launched as qualified planters are raised up and sent out. They're seeing continued momentum as they attract both church planters and existing churches who desire to mature into a multiplying church and have also recently included the country of Japan into their network rhythms as they give themselves to partnerships in Southeast Asia. With me on the podcast today to give an update on church planting in Australia, uh, New Zealand, and Japan is my good friend Adam Ramsey. Adam is the network director for Australia and New Zealand and lead pastor of Liberty Church, a gospel-centered family of churches on the Gold Coast in Australia. He loves being married to Christina, wrestling his five kids, and equipping church planters. Adam, welcome back to the podcast, my friend. Thank you, Dr. Marita. Good to be with you. It's always a joy. This is actually two weeks in a row I've got to see you, man. I know. This feels like a treat. I'm loving July. I mean, 2020 has been a mess, but July feels better. So, (laughs) (laughs) But it's cold there. Like, Explain the weather uh, for our listeners because we don't think frost on the ground over here in July. Yeah, so we're we're down near the South Pole, man. So we got uh, winter happening right now. And so where I live in the part of Australia, I'm, it gets down to a chilly, you know, 60 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, so yeah. we're suffering. It's pretty brutal. And we really could use your prayers. Mm-hmm. Adam and I uh, got to be together last in, uh, was it February, February, or March, <clears throat> right before COVID. Yeah. Uh, before the lockdown, right before the world blew up. Oh man, um, We were in Paris for meetings and uh, had to make emergency uh flight arrangements <laughs> and i remember i came downstairs it was like four in the morning and adam was outside <laughs> he was he was trying to get a flight home but we made it that was crazy we were all running out of france trying to get home before they locked the borders down on us and and uh and i ended up having to get to the paris airport it was all americans like like every american was at paris airport because donald trump made some announcement about closing the borders and so all the flights are booked up. I had to take a train uh, from the Paris airport to London and try and get out of the continent that way. And uh, got home, locked down, uh, as I know you did. And and here we are, five months in. Wild, man. So, Adam, important question. How excited are you that the NBA is starting back? A little excited because my team's not playing right now. Okay. So, I'm a Golden State Warriors guy. Don't hate on me. My wife's from the Bay Area. Okay. We go back. And uh, they're not they're not really playing right now, you know what I mean? So uh, yeah. we're waiting for a, a good draft pick and the next season, and then my heart is going to just be... I just realized that. Yeah. Like a young they're calf done. leaping with exuberance out of its stall. Um, but until then, I will enjoy. I will enjoy the NBA. It's good to have some ball back. Yeah, man. I've been uh, thrilled that baseball is back, and it's never felt so good to be so frustrated. Uh, it's good to be frustrated again. <laughs> Because my team is uh, social distancing from victories right now. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> if there's one thing we haven't had enough of this year, Tony, it's being frustrated. Uh, we could really use oh, some more goodness. of that. 
I, man, every pastor I've talked to uh, is losing people um, over two or three big issues over here. Yeah, I would love to hear what it's like shepherding during this time in, in uh, your neck of the woods. But with it's the COVID restrictions, it's the mask, it's uh, uh, people making this a uh, civil disobedience issue yeah. related to gatherings. It's uh, racial tensions. Yeah. Um, guys are getting uh, they're getting hurt out there, man. What's it like over there? Yeah, so I mean, we're watching all that play out in America, and I think you know the United States is unique uh, in in some of those, though certainly not all of those. And and as we watch that, uh, I mean, we certainly feel it. I mean, lots of my my wife's from America, where we lived in the states for ten years. We've got lots of family over there still, and some great friends uh, over there that uh, we're just lamenting with. Uh, as whatever's happening in the U.S. Uh, continues to play out. So so we have some of those tensions. We don't have the masks ten- tension. We've been in pretty, pretty serious lockdown uh, since March, and so they've been easing back restrictions in our country. Uh, it looks like there's there's one or two hotspots that are getting a second wave uh, of the outbreak there. We where Previously, we were able to pretty much, pretty much contain it, um, and we were kind of trying to get back to some sort of sense of normalcy. Um, so as far as churches go, where I am in my state, so it's a little different where we are. It's state to state. It's going to be a different set of regulations. Um, and borders are going to be different between those states. And so my state, Queensland, we, we've actually just been able to start gathering um, with social distancing in place and with four square meters per person building capacity. So just a quarter of what you can usually have in the venue. Um, we had our first service back this last Sunday night, and it was just a taste of heaven on earth. Oh my goodness. Uh, I had missed preaching to real human beings uh, in the room. <laughs> um, just being able to sing together, hear God's people say amen to the scriptures. Uh, there was a sense of rejoicing and a forward lean that was honestly just just magnificent. So, yeah. so that's a little bit where we are. But as far as watching some of those things uh, play out in the States, um, uh, where I know for many of us, we're, we're navigating some of the same tensions there, pastoring people through it where there's a lot of hostility. Uh, there's a lot of anger. Um, people, I don't know if we've ever been as angry as we are, uh, especially when we have the convenience of a keyboard in front of us rather than a face-to-face uh, encounter with someone who is meant to be a brother or sister in Christ. And so, um, so we've had that. We've, we've, we've had people uh, leave our church um, because of statements that I've made online uh, affirming the imago day of black men and women, uh, particularly in the USA. And, um, and you know, I think, uh, there's, yeah, there's just a, a really tragic sense of constant outrage. And so more and more in this time, I'm trying to lean into voices that are both clear but gentle. Um, mm-hmm. And just that just that sense of gentleness and how important yeah. that is, both for us as leaders, but then for us to then call forth from our people as this is a non-negotiable when it comes to the way we treat each other as the family of God. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Keeping churches unified, that's a real challenge right now. Yeah. Um, Adam, one of the things I've always admired about you and your leadership is your sense of joy. Would you talk to the listeners about how you cultivate that? Uh, is it because 
you you married Christina. Is it because of uh, uh, the wrestling, your five kids, or your alligators, Outback Steakhouse over there? I mean, what is it that it cultivates <laughs> that sense of joy? Yeah, that's good, man. Uh, I look. I mean, for for me, it's 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 coming back to. I feel like I can laugh a lot because I really do believe the gospel is true. And if the gospel is true, then it means we can take Jesus seriously. We can take the Bible seriously and we can be perpetually laughing mainly at ourselves. And so I feel like I'm laughing at myself a lot um, because I'm an idiot and I need Jesus. And then uh, people around me. I laugh when I think about you. (laughs) See, Uh, you know, I'm just trying to help. Just bring, bring in some laughter and some some hope and laughter. That's what we all need during this time. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I think when we really do have a heart that is at rest in Jesus, then we can we can face anything. I mean, that's the Philippians 4. It kind of, I mean, it's, it's more contentment in that sense there, what Paul's talking about in Philippians 4. But we can actually face any kind of abundance where everything's going well or lack. Uh, plenty or need uh, through Christ who gives us the strength to do so. And so, um, uh, yes to all the things you said. Uh, I feel a sense of joy. Um, uh, and let me say this, joy, I wouldn't say joy so much as uh, an emotion. I think joy uh, can, I think it was Ray Ortland who said that joy exists in the moral category. And that's why Paul commands it, right? Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Mm. And we get this call over and over again to rejoice. And we can do so because that sense of rejoicing isn't in our circumstances, certainly isn't in on what's playing out online, um, but it's in the Lord who does not change, mm. who is good mm-hmm. and who loves us and is mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. And if our joy is, is placed there, then we can, we really can face anything and joy can even sit underneath other uh, emotions um, and expressions uh, like anger, like lament, uh, like disappointment, like frustration, but sitting underneath it like a steady bass note, uh, we can have this this joy that just is driving through and oozing out of the rest mm. of our lives because it's in Christ. Mm. Mm. Mm, amen. Uh, another quality of your leadership uh, that I've admired has been uh, you're always learning, always reading, um, you know, taking these uh, personal retreats that you do in the beautiful Scotland uh, Highlands. Um, tell us uh, maybe a book or two that's uh, been impactful, maybe even during COVID. Mm. Uh, and then I want to talk about the book you're writing. Oh, man. So, 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 so two books in particular on a similar theme that I alluded to just a little bit earlier uh, that have really struck me this year. Uh, uh, one is Scott Soul's A Gentle Answer that just came out. And the other mm-hmm. one is, is Dane Ortland, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Gentle and Lowly. Mm-hmm. My goodness. I mean, both, both exceptional. Dane's book particularly, um, I'm, I'm putting that in my category of uh, maybe the best book I've read written in the 21st century. Uh, mm-hmm. It is just absolutely remarkable in how it draws uh, your heart to Jesus and shows who yeah. Jesus is in present tense right now for his people uh, in mm-hmm. really succinct uh, short chapters and in ways that just um, just made me worship. And, uh, mm-hmm. and don't we need that during this time is is mm-hmm. theological uh, accuracy and reflections that make our hearts sing. 
And mm. and so I really found that in that book, and I would just yep. encourage it to to anyone who can get their hands on it. That is that is worth a read. I concur. Recommend both. I'm going to have Scott on the pod- podcast uh, in a couple of weeks, actually, awesome. to talk about his. I need to get to get Dane on. So you're writing right now a book on the attributes of God. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Well, so so think um think think of like a primer on the attributes of God. So we're right now uh, uh, working with the title Living Theology. Uh, nearly finished with the first draft, so just a few more chapters to go. I'm hoping to wrap that up in the next few weeks. Uh, with that coming out through the Good Book Company next year. Um. So, so looking at, uh, you, you have in, in, in a lot of Western Christianity, at least, kind of two tribes, two teams that, that seem to play out in the church. You've got the, 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 the theologically inclined, uh, the, the thinkers. Uh, a lot of uh, us Reformed guys might find ourselves in this category. We like our doctrine uh, systematized and, and our ducks in a row and to kind of know what we uh, need to know. And that's good. Like, I don't want to minimize that. Like, let's have biblical literacy and think rightly about God. And so that's where the attributes of God play into this book and kind of give it some structure. But uh, then you have this other tribe uh, who, who I'd call the feelers. And this is, this is uh, those who would seek to experience God. Uh, there's a lot of joy in their lives. They sing louder uh, than a lot of uh, the Reformed people do. There's, there's, there's a forward lean of passion in their devotional life. Uh, and you look at that, um, and I feel like through a lot of my ministry, I've been trying to, because this has been my own journey, I've been trying to get the thinkers uh, to rejoice and to feel mm. Uh, to feel rightly in light of thinking rightly. And I've been trying to get the feelers to think, uh, to think theologically, to think biblically, mm-hmm. to think with a gospel lens. And so uh, I've, I've written something that uh, walks through the various attributes of God, but then the, the experience, which is where the main thrust of the book is, the, the experience of normal Christianity that that attribute is meant to lead us into. Uh, so, like, mm. for example, as, as I think deeply and rightly about the sovereignty of God, that attribute, the, the felt experience in my day-to-day Christianity ought to be one of assurance. Uh, mm. I can rest in that. Uh, as I mm. think about um, the attribute of, of God's um, omnipotence, um, God's unrivaledness, uh, it should lead me to an experience where I'm okay to embrace weakness. Because he's the one who is almighty. Um, as I think about the fact that God is, um, is faithful, uh, he's never late in his timing, I can experience patience deepening in my own life. And so I've worked for 12 of those attributes and the experience that they lead us into. Um, and man, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun doing it. I love it, man. Uh, if the listeners don't know, Adam is one of our, our top writers at the Gospel Coalition. Acts 29 page. He's written several times for us, and I'm, I'm very excited about this book. Thanks, man. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about uh, what's happening in Australia, New Zealand, uh, and a bit about Japan. That sounds yeah. very exciting. Uh, give us a little update on uh, the network there. So um, we're at about 41 churches now across our network here in Australia, New Zealand, and Japan, uh, and so with members and candidates. Uh, and, and we had, yeah, so we've had that, that really strange kind of feeling of everything slowing down, like, like many have around the world over the last few months, and just trying to work out how do we uh, connect well, relate well in a space where we can't see each other, gather together, 
And so there's been there's been a lot of uh, online trainings we've been doing uh, with all of our church planters and church leaders and inviting them into a space where, uh, like we had you uh, just the other day, do a training with us around uh, conflict uh, in a Christ-centered way uh, from, from your latest book, which was just so so helpful to our guys. And just having different people coming in and doing trainings uh, with us. And, and now, uh, as we start to have restrictions lift in different parts of our network, um, there, there's a little bit more relational pieces starting to play out again, which we just, we've missed that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, even as we've kind of like, you know, slowed down in one sense, and, and I, I do see God's hand in that. Uh, I do see God's hand disrupting our, our flow of ministry. Uh, in the Western world, especially, and our pace of ministry to help us maybe reset some important things. Um, as we've done that, uh, the mission's still going forward. And so we, we're mm-hmm. still uh, seeing church planters uh, walking through the assessment process. We still have uh, several existing churches uh, coming up later this year that are uh, planning to roll into our network with the goal of maturing towards being church planting churches themselves. And uh, Japan has been one of the, yeah, one of the most really remarkable and beautiful uh, kind of stories for our network over these last couple of years. And we're just really excited about what's playing out there. That's exciting, man. So talk to us maybe about some existing plants or um, some, any examples that kind of excite you when you think about uh, your network? Yeah, so so take Japan for example. It's probably where right now I'm I'm just really seeing um, a lot of good momentum and the Lord's hand. Uh, we had the guys there. Um, there was about four Acts twenty nine churches in Japan. Um, I, we met them. We helped uh, the emerging regions uh, part of our Acts twenty nine global family uh, pull off our first Acts twenty nine Asia training event. Uh, and so that was in 2018. And we all met uh, in Thailand and had people from Vietnam and China and Japan and uh, Nepal and, and so a few other places I'm forgetting right now. Uh, I think Vietnam, I don't know if I said that. And and uh, had three really wonderful days together. And from that, uh, I really uh, built a relationship with the, the guys from Japan. And so uh, about a year later, I get an email from uh, all of the Japan members asking uh, hey, could we, uh, could Australia, New Zealand, could we as a network adopt them temporarily just for a short season of time into our network rhythms uh, and include them? They were feeling isolated. Um, they, were, they were feeling that sense of, I mean, Japan is just what a, I mean, what a, what an amazing place, but what a difficult place it has been for the last few centuries for the gospel to penetrate. And so one of the most uh, unreached places on the planet, I believe the second most unreached place on the planet uh, as far as people groups go. And so uh, so we, we just, you know, we got that email and thought, wow, what a privilege. Like what a privilege to even be asked to come alongside these brothers and sisters and just help any way that uh, we could and any way that they found helpful. And so uh, over the next little while, we worked out a plan with Emerging Regions and with uh, Acts 29 and, and started to include those churches into our network rhythms, brought them over to our network conference, uh, traveled over there a number of times um, and, and helped with regional training events and retreats and, and things like that. And, and what I've been most blessed by is the, the willingness to partner uh, across denominational lines and across uh, even church planting networks uh, in Japan and, and really seeing a camaraderie there because it's so 
it is so hard and 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 the the critical mass of Christians there is so small and I just didn't get any major vibes of network tribalism or denominational tribalism, uh, even where they disagreed on secondary issues, I saw a really beautiful partnership in the gospel. And so so that just blessed me to watch that playing out. Um, and, and just this year, we were able to assess another church planter in Japan uh, and have the Japan members of H9 do that assessment. And we were just kind of in the background hanging out coaching. Um, and, and we've also just uh, completed uh, getting our entire X29 assessment process translated into Japanese uh, so that now uh, you don't need to have uh, English as a language to be able to go through it, which is a major bottleneck. Now we can have Japanese planters assessing Japanese planters um, and just uh, we're like there's just a lot of built up momentum we're seeing there uh, of church planting couples wanting to go through the process and and just join a network that's all about Jesus and all about church planning. Man, that is so exciting. That is, that is some pioneer work, man, some important work uh, that you're doing. How have the, the guys in Australia, New Zealand, uh, have they been able to interact with some of these guys? I know as a network director, you're interacting, but yeah. and, and what's their experience been? Yeah, so so they got to, so we had some of our network, maybe a third of our network who were at the last global gathering. Uh, we got to have the Japan guys join us in our network rhythms, rhythms at that global gathering. And so there was, we were able to have some face to face introductions and some time just getting to know each other, uh, during that space. But uh, the best one was, uh, at our network conference at the beginning of this year. Uh, we were able to fly all of those, uh, pastors and wives over to Sydney where we had our network conference and just, just include them in everything we were doing. And just, I saw our, our network just love these guys and welcome them in and, and taking them out for meals and looking to build partnerships there, uh, where there's, uh, relational and prayerful and financial support that is playing out. And, and genuinely one of the best moments, maybe the best moment of the whole conference was we had, we had, uh, Yoshi, who's one of our church planters over there, uh, pastors of a church called Soma Fuchu. And he preached one of the main sessions of the conference for us in Japanese um, and had Kuni, another pastor, translate for him into English. And it was a chance for a, a predominantly, massively predominantly uh, group of English speakers to hear the gospel uh, winsomely and truly preached in the Japanese tongue uh, with passion and with power. And man, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it because... It was one of those little foretaste moments where you remember really clearly that the family of Jesus is so much bigger, totally not white, totally not English speaking, and it's going to be beautiful around the throne when Revelation seven becomes a reality. Uh, so, so that was been that's that was really cool watching that play out at our last network conference and seeing those face to face interactions grow. I love it, man. So, what are future plans? Will they become their own network in in time? Is that uh, that's the hope? Yeah. So, so, so the hope is um, for us to lend uh, what God's doing in our network, some of our structure, some of our finances, uh, some of our training and rhythms uh, to Japan as a smaller developing network. Their hope is to become Acts Twenty Nine Japan uh, as a network there uh, that really is just just we're praying. Uh, just just takes off um, over the coming decades, and and I believe it will, uh, because if mm-hmm. if 
if church history shows us anything, it's so far there hasn't been many uh, from Japan who have come to know Jesus as their Lord and friend and Savior. And if, like I said, Revelation 7 before, that's going to be a big crowd of people uh, from every mm-hmm. people group and every tongue around the throne. And I don't know, I, I could be wrong, but it just doesn't, it just seems to me like there's not enough Japanese yet that have come into the family <laughs> of God. And so I feel like Japan's greatest renewal uh, and awakening, perhaps is a better word, is still on the horizon. And so, so if we can just play a little part in in helping some momentum of church planters there that are then training and assessing other church planters there, and if we can just mm-hmm. lend some of our structure and strength for a, a period of time to birth a, a network, uh, what what a privilege that would be. Mm, that's beautiful, man. It's powerful. What what? Uh, so I'm just having this mental picture in my mind of Japanese uh pastors and leaders and uh, church members with Aussies the what is what's the cultural interaction because you guys like to make fun of people you like to joke <laughs> right you're, you're you're like the you're like the better British people right um, I mean they, they they sent you to prison down there on the island yeah, uh, yeah. which I think you guys got the better end of the deal <laughs> I, on that I feel like I feel like the punishment didn't work it just made us kind of cheeky um it's <laughs> exactly. like you know just like we're going to send you down to the colonies also welcome to the beach it's kind of like well <laughs> all right <laughs> meanwhile they stayed in the gray skies of yeah, uh, yeah. of the uk <laughs> yeah. yeah i think you guys won that one yeah. um but yeah what is or, or do uh how's has the fellowship been fun or what it, it has been so much fun i've had to learn a ton uh, I mean, really learn a ton. And, and so just uh, lots of uh, cultural nuances. And, and man, our, our Japanese brothers and sisters are so gracious, uh, just just helping me learn and just being so patient with me uh, in, in the right way to greet and the right way to interact and the right decibel level in a crowd and all those things that, uh, I mean, uh, Japan is just such a better functioning, harmonious uh, you know, developed society uh, that you just, you go there and, and you just sort of have your, your breath taken away of how well everything runs uh, as far as the, the civil side of things. Uh, and that's not to say it's not broken. It's, it's, it's incredibly broken in its own unique ways. And so I think we have, we have getting to know um, those guys. We, we have had some of our uh, idols of individualism exposed as we've watched a culture that has got a high collective component to it. Uh, play itself out um, and at the same time we've, we've been able to see some of uh, the idols of a, a highly collective and communal culture like the Japanese culture play out uh, where you know when when you don't feel like you fit in a culture like that uh, there really doesn't seem to be much purpose to life and so that's where uh, some of the suicide rates that are the highest in the world are found in Japan and and again it's the, the beautiful side and the dark side of the different cultures that we have in the world around us. And so just learning that, um, like I'll give you one, one way that, that they helped me learn my, my Western over-individualized bent on life. Uh, and it had to do with, you know, uh, rubbish, right? Trash. And, and so uh, you look around the streets in Japan and, and I just couldn't see any trash. I mean, it was just like clean, like you would not believe. And, and at the same time, I couldn't find any trash cans. There was no rubbish bins anywhere. And so I'm like, how, what, is, what is this sorcery? Like, how do they keep this so clean and there's not even anywhere to put this stuff? And, and, and there was a, a sense there where someone there pointed it out to me because I made a comment about it. 
And they said, well, when, when you're in Australia, and they'd lived in Australia, so they understood, uh, when you're in Australia, and if you, if you have, you know, a, a receipt or a bit of trash in your hand, uh, you think to yourself, I uh, have a burden in my hand that I would like to be relieved of. And I have a right to relieve myself of that burden. I have every right. And so if I cannot see a, a trash can within viewing distance from where I am right now, I have a right to litter and to put, and we don't say that out loud, but right, but that's, that's just kind of the way our brain processes. I have a right to be not carrying around this candy bar wrap, wrapper or whatever it is, uh, or this empty coffee cup. And, 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 and it explains some of our, our culture with our individualistic bent. In Japan, uh, they taught me that uh, the way most Japanese people would see that same situation is I have created a burden in this empty coffee cup. Uh, it is my responsibility to not extend this burden out onto the wider society. Therefore, I will carry it around with me for the rest of the day, if need be, until I get back to my home and dispose of it in the proper container. Um, and just a totally different way of thinking about others around us. Mm. So, so again, there's mm. some really beautiful things that we can learn from that mm. as far as mm. um, thoughtfulness and, and a sense of the, you know, the collective and the greater good. And there's some things... Um, that we can also see in in you know places like Japan, uh, where there is much depression and much despair and much loneliness, even with all the efficiency there, uh, that they need Jesus and they need the good news of the gospel to turn you know civically minded neighbors into brothers and sisters and family. Mm, amen. If you're listening to the podcast, I would just ask you to pray for this work, pray for those brothers and sisters in Japan. Um, Time flies when I'm talking to you, brother. Um, one final question, uh, just a practical question. Uh, church planting resources, books, um, and speaking about conferencing and training and those kinds of things. Uh, we've got a lot of aspiring planters mm. who, who tune in. Uh, if you could uh, give them a little short list, what would you recommend? It may not be a book, maybe audio. Yeah. Just re- oh, man. Some resources. Uh, as far as resources, I mean, I, I'm I'm just trying to learn as much as I can from everyone I can, and and I find myself gleaning different things from different people, and so mm-hmm. so I get I genuinely get a lot of really practical help uh, from some of the TGC X29 uh, church planting blogs that come out. I find those those wonderful, and they're written by practitioners uh, from all over the world, and they speak into varying levels of church planting. Uh, that stuff on a practical level has been a huge help to me. Uh, and then when I'm when I'm looking at you know some of the stuff happening in culture right now uh, in Western culture at least, uh, I'm really loving uh, Mark Sayers and his voice there. Another Australian, well known throughout America, uh, brilliant uh, mind as far as just just a cultural uh, expert uh, in understanding what's actually happening. Uh, in the world around us. And so I find myself learning from him. Uh, and then I'm looking at guys like, you know, older guys in the faith that are father figures in the faith, like Ray Ortland, uh, just, just showing a Jesus-iness of life and a, a winsomeness of speech in the way they conduct themselves both privately and online. And, and going, man, that's what I want my voice to sound like in the midst of an angry culture. Uh, is one that is absolutely true and clear in its convictions, but gentle in its tone. Uh, we need more of that. Um, 
And I think those are probably three, three of the big ones as far as practical church planting, mm-hmm. uh, cultural understanding, uh, personal, uh, just soul uh, development as a leader with mm-hmm. still, Lord willing, mm-hmm. decades to go. Uh, I want to finish mm-hmm. well. And I think that comes mm-hmm. by watching guys right now uh, who are mm-hmm. finishing well. And there's a number of guys like that, um, uh, like Ray, that are in our network and beyond our network that I'm just really grateful for. <laughs> yeah. Man, very good. And that's a really good framework as well. Uh, always a pleasure, my friend, uh, chatting with you and super exciting to hear what's happening uh, in Japan. So thanks for taking some time to be with us. Thanks, brother. Always a joy. Thanks for having me on. Thanks.